Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson here on Thursday afternoon. Brian, how are we doing? I'm doing okay. I'm worried about you. Um, is it a sad day? Was it, is a streak over for you? Yeah. You I, talk I, about? I, we actually pushed this podcast an additional 30 minutes so that the uh, the cavities that I had filled, my mouth numbness could could go away. It was a nice seven-year run, which I think might be right around sort of my long streak. I think I had like two seven-year runs in there uh, without cavities. It was good. Came to an end. I had two of them. They were on opposite sides of my mouth, so my whole mouth was was pretty numb uh, at one point. They, they fill cavities a little bit differently now than I think they did seven years ago, or at least the whole process seems somewhat different. Uh, so there's that. But, you know, the, the thing you got to do, Brian, when these things happen, you just have to pick yourself up, uh, grab, the, grab the toothpaste, grab the toothbrush, go to work, and start over, you know. There's, there's nothing else you can do. You can't, can't hang your head. can't feel sorry for yourself. You got no one to blame. You got you got to point the thumb. Did you get a lecture from them? I, I, t- I haven't had a cavity recently. I've been on a good sh- string myself, but I've kind of, su- I'm surprised by that actually, because I've been a little negligent at times. I'm, I brush my teeth every day, people. I don't want to act like I don't, but I'm saying I could floss better and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And every time I go in, I get a lecture, um, like a little bit of a, t- talking to about like you you're not flossing are you are you and they i think they've given up with me on that like i'm uh i've also kind of made the quip like you know the new york times said flossing doesn't even really help that's what the that's what's the latest out of the dental society so i um i'm not a big flosser but i didn't really get a lecture they said seven years is a good run you know sometimes these things happen you can do your your best work and it, it can still catch up to you so it really, what it comes down to is I've probably eaten too much chocolate over the last six months. And I have no one to blame but myself for that either. So, all right. Um, let's, here's how, here's how we're going to structure things today. Nebraska's got uh, several visitors coming to town this weekend. Um, they have had several commitments here recently. They had several visitors in town last weekend. I know you BCU and Brunts were were able to discuss. Um, you were able to discuss two of the commitments in Chubba Purdy and in Anthony Grant. But I'm curious, Brian, were you at all surprised that Javier Morton not only popped up for Nebraska, but they ended up taking him as they just continue to uh, add and stockpile to this defensive back room? Yeah, and that was good stalling by you too, because I had dogs barking and the and I was able to mute it. So I was glad that you kind of carried on for a second there. Hopefully they. <laughs> I they tried. Um, I, I was think like I, watching you on the screen. I was like, "When is a good point to throw it back to him?" I'm not really sure. <laughs> you might have seen me on the screen. I was like, I didn't throw it at the dog, but I I threw my uh, beanie cap across the room to try to get a point across, uh, <laughs> and they did listen. So for now, so yeah, Javier Morton. Um, I mean, that's a guy who you go back to his original recruitment coming out of high school, pretty big deal. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who uh, had the who's who's list of people after him. Um, I know we are going to maybe get into this later, but he's, he's part of a crowd 
that's going to be here and make spring really interesting. Like we could get all caught up talking, of course, about Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy and what that's going to look like. But Nebraska's secondary is really quite intriguing. Like it's sort of one B to me to the QBs one A and sort of the what's your level of interest in this and how it shakes out conversation. Um, Cause you've got, you've got Javier, you've got Tommy Hill from Arizona state. You got Deshaun Singleton, you got Jaden gold, who's already on campus. And so, you know, Quentin Newsom is probably a favorite for one job. Miles farmer maybe has his head out in front of the crowd at safety, but I have to think all those guys are looking at it and saying, man, coach Fisher is not messing around. Um, he, he, you know, you you better be on your toes if you want to win a job uh, at at safety or cornerback, really. Yeah, it definitely feels it's got like a little bit of an open tryout feel. And look, I mean, you have guys like Braxton Clark who have some experience. We know they really like um, um, Marquise Buford, who you've mentioned several times before. Uh, Lynam is hanging out in that room as well. And so there's, there's some defensive backs that have been there for a little bit that you're waiting to see, okay, what's going to happen here and what's next. So I, I really like that this kind of feels like an open competition. Uh, we'll see kind of how it plays out for some of those guys for Javier Morton in particular. I am trying to take a more wait and see approach specifically maybe with him. I don't want this to come across as like a one-to-one comparison. I don't want to like downplay what he could be, but the last time we kind of saw Nebraska do something like this was Nadab Joseph and he never really got going. And now Morton isn't coming here off of an injury in the same way that Joseph was, but it's a, it's a situation where yes, he was a former Alabama commit at one point in time, I don't know who Nebraska really had to beat out to get Javier Morton here recently. So I think they're taking a bit of a chance and I think you get to do that. I mean, they're, they're going to take around 30 some players in this class. You know, they're swinging for the fences a little bit. You get a guy that was previously a well thought of recruit that had a nice season uh, at community college and you can see what he can do for you. And at worst, it's a guy that can help you out probably with special teams. And so it, in some ways, it feels like some of the movement that we've seen with these defensive backs is to go get some guys that, if nothing else, they're going to be able to, to help you in that third phase. So I, I think with Javier Morton, uh, that could be the case. And, and you're really not risking much of anything by doing so. So uh, we'll see how that one plays out. The name that I heard, and this goes back a little bit to conversations before the holidays, but Deshaun Singleton is someone I think the staff likes maybe more than people might realize, which is why they're not necessarily going out and grabbing a straight up safety uh, as much as just getting some more just general help uh, in the defensive back room. So Deshaun Singleton, I think, is someone to, to certainly keep an eye on this spring. Yeah, I, I like what you said about um, Javier, too, and let's let's slow the hype train down on that I don't know that it, it's it's chugging too fast down the tracks but I think I think what what you said should be well taken in that Nebraska sort of with some of these transfers in the secondary as much as I like what Travis Fisher has done a few of these haven't panned out quite right as we thought and um you know Tyreek Johnson um has Will amazing- Jackson how's that for a yeah. name that you haven't heard in a while 
I was I was actually trying to think of uh, of Will Jackson's name, and I and I'm so I'm glad you said it. Um, I mean Trey Neal was a success story, I think, for what they needed from him for that year. Um, but I would have to say, yeah, for the most part, with some of these JUCO guys and some of these like your mid midstream kind of players, it hasn't they haven't nailed it yet in the secondary. So maybe he's going to be the exception to that. Uh, but there, there's a, there is a, he's going to have a lot of guys to beat out. I, I, you know, I'm a big Marquise Buford guy and I think he's going to play. And I think Quentin Newsom's going to play. And I think they love Braxton Clark. He's been kind of waiting his turn to be that guy. And maybe this is finally the year that really happens. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, other kind of news to get into a little bit. I want to talk about the upcoming visit weekend. We'll start with the one official visitor we know of. Oh, actually, before we put a bow on the secondary, Nebraska's not done there yet. There is one guy they very much would like to get that it looked like they were way out in front on. I think that has changed a little bit, and that would be cornerback Omar Brown from northern Iowa who entered the portal. This is a guy that was an FCS All-American freshman of the year uh, as a defensive back, seven interceptions, 71 tackles as a freshman um in 2019 now we know 2020 they didn't have a normal year he had the abbreviated year uh in in the spring he played in the spring he played again in um the fall for 2021 he did get hurt at the end of the season um but teams stopped throwing his way so i i was told one of the reasons that he's looking to, to move out of northern iowa is that he needs more competition like he he kind of needs teams to if you know, if, if teams just know, all right, we're not throwing Omar Brown's way, then he's not going to get a lot of work. And this is a guy with NFL aspirations. So uh, Nebraska was kind of a, I don't know if heavy favorite, but a favorite going into his putting his name in the portal. And just as we've seen numerous times, I mean, you can try to line these things up so it's, it works out right away for you. But these guys get so much attention so fast. And so now I think they've had to reset a little bit. And Nebraska is certainly still pushing. I, I think that they would love to get them. Um, I would keep an eye on the date because if he wants to enroll for second semester, which would be the plan, he's got to be in by Monday, I believe. That's the last day to enroll for classes. So uh, you really kind of coming up on it here a little bit. So we'll see if Omar Brown makes an appearance this weekend or if we hear any more on him. But that would be a guy that, you know, would be a huge boon to that secondary could be lining up right across from Quentin Newsom. So we'll see how that plays out uh, this weekend though, AJ Allen, another running back, running back number 37 in this off season, uh, AJ Allen, a TCU commit from the state of Louisiana knows Brian Applewhite really well. I think that's the connection here. He's coming out for an official visit, Brian Christopherson, they just keep stacking running backs. It doesn't matter if it's a JUCO, a transfer, a high school guy. Nebraska's interested. What do you kind of make of all of this? Yeah, you called me by my full name there. I'm worried I'm in trouble a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm just letting you know. Yeah, that, 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 that was good. Um, I mean, it, it tells me that there's not a ton of – well, there shouldn't be. I mean, in this modern day of the portal hopping, you should almost assume – that like the guys that we right now have listed on the scholarship chart at that position, one or two after spring, and I'm not guessing who they are. People can make their own, but I mean, usually there's movement, you know? And so you got to sort of assume um, 
if you want five or six scholarship running backs, by the time you actually get to August, you might stock up one or two extra and know that, um, you know, there, there will be attrition and that's just part of the deal. So um, let the competition play out. I think it's a big deal that Anthony Grant, who obviously committed on Sunday is already in Lincoln and now he gets a chance to show what he can do this spring. But yeah, the connection that Allen has, I think he was, has been committed to TCU since August. Is that right? Um, So, I mean, that, that, that's a pretty deep relationship there. And uh, you know, he's got other interested suitors. I know there's like Mississippi state has really been after him and and stuff like that. So it's not like Nebraska is his only option. So I'm all for stocking it up, knowing that uh, what's in front of us right now, just like we could talk about like the basketball roster and all that there there's, it's, there's going to be movement and people just have to understand that. So some of that is planning ahead and kind of getting out in front of things. Do you think this is sort of a weird question? Do you think Nebraska would still have taken Emmett Johnson when they did, because that felt like kind of an interesting move. They moved on from Ashton Hayes. They took Emmett Johnson, and then they just continued to recruit running backs. The thing with Emmett Johnson is he could move positions. I mean, he could play defensive back. He could play slot wide receiver. He's a special teams guy. So it's not like it's a wasted offer by any means. But I just sort of look at how they kind of handled things close to the end of the season, right at the, the start of this sort of recruiting period. And I wonder if they knew that who they were going to end up with at running backs coach, if they would have approached it a little bit differently. Like it just, it feels, it feels kind of odd trying to sort of track how the running back recruitment in 2022 and the class of 2022 has really played out. Yeah. Emmett Johnson is a really interesting prospect and I like him. I like talking to him. He's a guy, I mean, he had about a billion yards. It seemed like last season. I mean, maybe just shy of a billion. I was, I exaggerated slightly. I think it was like 2,400 or something, but um, a guy who's really determined and has a chip on his shoulder because Minnesota, the local school, the Gophs didn't offer him. And uh, you know, I think he feels like he can definitely play at this level. Now the thing about him is he's not getting here until May. He's not part of that early enrollee class. So he's going to have to play some catch up and that's always difficult to do. And so if you don't hear from him right away in the first year, I don't think people should say, well, that's the story on that guy. Um, But yeah, you raise a fair question. Nebraska, I didn't offer him until the very last weekend. And, you know, if, if they knew that they could have lined up some of these other guys, would have that still happened? I don't know, but it it did. And I've, I learned a lesson a long time ago when this goes back to Amir Abdullah, actually, you remember he came in with, Braylon Hurd, Aaron Green. There was another one. Rex was already here. Yeah, at least those two guys. And I remember writing stories about each of those guys throughout the process at a different outlet. And I would uh, always, I always had Amir's name last. Like it, it was the name you wrote last on the list. Like you always wrote Aaron Green, you know, his first and Braylon Hurd. And my point being, um, sometimes we get these kind of preconceived, well, he's supposed to be the guy and look, this guy looked, you know, a little bit better measurables or this or that, or he had this many yards. And uh, you don't know who's the, who the real dogs are until you get to college and see who can really grind it out and connect with the coaches and can pick up the playbook fast. 
and Emmett Johnson's a kid who really, um, you know, I think he's going to come in with a lot of motivation to show that he belongs. And so I'm not counting him out. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I find it just, like I said, kind of fascinating how things have played out since that point in time. All right, let's finish up with this here before we take a quick break. I put on 24-7 sports at Husker 24-7 for those listening. If you're a VIP member, there is a junior day on Saturday, and I've got a list of who's going to be there. Nebraska is going to be hosting at least uh, at least eight guys who have offers, nine if you go into the 2024 class. So they have a pretty good list here. One commitment, Gunnar Gatula. Um, I don't want to go through the whole thing because I want people to go check out that list on the site, but there's a few names on there, Brian. Is there, is there anyone that jumps out to you as you kind of look at that junior day list? Um, anyone that you want to discuss specifically, and then I'll bring up a, a couple names as well. I don't know if you've had a chance to familiarize I, yourself with it. I haven't looked at it yet, but I do know that um, like Malachi Coleman. Yep. He's uh, on there to me uh, has become just a fascinating story just because he's a guy who uh, just flat out last season went and earned it, you know, like he, he just did made so many plays. It's like, okay, you got to offer this guy. <laughs> like he, there's no choice to do it. And I really love stories like that. It, it, it's similar in some ways. He did it a year before James Carney did, but I kind of felt that way with James Carney where it was like, is this guy, is he, a serious offer or not. And then he just keeps putting up huge numbers every week to the point where it's like, okay, don't offer them at your own risk at this point. That'd be a PR nightmare. And I love everything about Malachi Coleman's story. He's been through a lot in his life. I think some people are familiar with that, but he's, he's a guy who just has a, just a great nature about things and just a eagerness to uh, do things the right way. And um, so his story excites me amongst the guys who are going to be here. Yeah, I um, I just now realized that we should just turn you loose here uh, in in late January or early February, and you can just go ahead and go write one of your your profile pieces on a Malachi Coleman. I think that could be a pretty good story. I know that uh, the tenets of it are already kind of out there for those that don't know, but he was in the foster system and then brought in by a family in Lincoln and has been able to flourish, and he feels very strongly about foster kids and uh everything else but yeah that that could be a bc special coming your way folks i, I think we can get that done and yeah, i think yeah. i can make introductions to you malachi is not shy so you'll you won't struggle to get a quote or two out of him. I did i did actually dm with him the other day um he was this is what i like about he, he had just played basketball they had just finished a game on a friday night and the, he was supposed to this is actually news, newsworthy to his recruitment he was supposed to go to missouri as you know for his junior days but there was a big snowstorm here so he said he wasn't going but he asked if i would dm him the questions and sure enough he's on the bus you know coming back from his basketball game and knocks out these just monster answers like he you know like he's writing a term paper so i already i already have a high opinion of him <laughs> excellent i like it so a couple other guys i want to hit on here and again the full list is is going to be available or it already is available on on husker 24 7 uh, i want to bring up there is a quarterback that's coming into town and it's a guy that i have written about briefly before he's someone that pitt offered that pitt hosted 
um, during this past season coming out of Massachusetts. And that would be uh, a quarterback by the name of William Watson, who is a uh, William Watson third, who is a three-star quarterback. This is a guy that has had quite a bit of attention already from various programs, including Pitt. Uh, he has offers from Michigan, Oregon, Pitt, Tennessee, and he's now coming out to Nebraska. And one of the reasons, and in the story um, that I had read previously on him, and I mentioned when I wrote about him, while trying to find who Nebraska might be looking at for 2023, he feels very strongly about Mark Whipple and Mark Whipple's offense. And so uh, this is someone I, you know, they've made a couple offers here now to some 2023 quarterbacks, Avery Johnson, uh, Jackson Arnold. I wouldn't completely discount someone like William Watson getting an offer. Pitt already did it. Uh, we'll see kind of what he thinks of this visit. I'm hoping to catch up with him both before and after. But that's a guy on this list he's not offered yet but I would keep an eye on him as well. And then, you know, to just kind of stick with things uh, a little bit here as well. Um, another guy that, that I'm really curious about, his brother already plays for Nebraska, but he's been to Nebraska several times. Asa Newsom is a linebacker from Iowa that the Huskers have some interest in, six foot four, 205 pounds. He's a three-star over there. We know Eric Shenander loves those guys from Iowa. Uh, Barrett Root involved in that recruitment as well. And Mosai Newsom, someone that, you know, Brian, Nebraska could really use to have a good spring. So uh, Asa Newsom, one of these junior day visitors as well. Again, full list, uh, upwards of maybe right around 20-some people total. There's there's some 23s, some 24s, and even a couple 2022s in there as well. So uh, be sure to check out that full list at Husker 24-7. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive into some of the early enrollees, uh, who we're interested in, who we think is going to uh, move the needle a little bit this spring, and we'll get into that conversation, and then we'll touch on the latest with Nebraska basketball as well. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, as promised, want to dive into some of these names here on the Husker 24-7 podcast of some of these early enrollees, who to be looking for this spring, who could be making a little bit of noise. Brian, is there a... Is there a high school guy? I'll, I'll cut you off at the knees a little bit. I won't let you throw Casey Thompson out there. I won't let you throw Deshaun Singleton out there. Is there a high school guy that you're intrigued by that's here early? 
Uh, yeah, I, I would say uh, Jaden Gold. And maybe that's uh, grabbing the, the top piece um, there, right? You know, four-star guy. But, I, I mean, that's part of it. He was, he was such a ballyhooed recruit, you know, and wanted by um, the biggest of the big. And I, I think in some ways you would say he's, he's sort of the head ended up being kind of the headliner, at least from a star perspective in this class. And I also feel like cornerback is a position where a guy can occasionally pop in right away and um, be a factor. And I think uh, in this case, it's not like, yes, Braxton Clark is, could be on one side and Quinton Newsom could be on the other, but that's not a given there's definitely an opportunity for a guy who's only like in his second or first year of college to emerge as the other guy, or at least like the third corner, you know? So whether that's gold or um, I don't even know if I'm, you know, Tommy Hill obviously could be a factor, but yeah, I, I would say Jaden jumps out to me. Yeah. Uh, other high school guys that are here early, I don't have the exact list right in front of me, but just off of memory, Richard Torres is here. He's going to have an opportunity to work this spring to try to get in position uh, as a as a potential backup option behind what we assume to be Casey Thompson as a starter. So we'll see how that goes for him. Ernest Hausman out of Columbus is here. He's going to be one of 754 inside linebackers that Barrett Rude will have to work with this spring. It was 755, but Will Honus has left the uh, left the program and entered the transfer portal, so they're down one there. Um, Justin Evans Jenkins, the offensive lineman from New Jersey. He'll be out here as well. You mentioned Jaden Gold. He's one as well. Uh, Victor Jones Jr., a wide receiver that you and I both like quite a bit. That's a guy that I wouldn't discount early on. I I don't know, Brian. I, you've talked with both Mickey Joseph and Victor Jones Jr. I don't I don't I can't claim that I know this to be a fact, but I just feel like that's gonna be a pretty good fit. I, I like Victor Jones Jr. I mean I He's probably my favorite high school player in this whole class so far. Uh, and I'm excited to, to see more about him this spring. Those are the guys that I know off the top of my head. I know I'm forgetting at least one of them, but um, that's what uh, Nebraska is coming in here this spring from the high school perspective. Now they have a bunch of transfers, some junior college guys uh, that are here early as well. But of those high school guys, Jaden Gold, Victor Jones Jr., Richard Torres, probably the ones that have the best opportunity to make a little bit of noise here this spring. Yeah, I mean, with with Victor, I'm glad you brought him up um, because you're talking about somebody who this coaching staff, at least parts of this coaching staff, have known since he was like eighth grade, maybe. I don't know, something like that. Like they, yeah, I mean, it, it goes way back. And they knew they liked him all along. Like it wasn't that that was a deal where – and that's really why he ended up in Nebraska. It's not like he wasn't a guy who didn't have other opportunities late in the recruiting game. He said as much in one of the interviews he did with us, uh, but it came down to him loyalties. He said Frost and these guys were loyal to me since I was like in 10th grade. I had, I had to repay it and I, I believe in them. I'm going to trust in them. And so I, I, I like his mindset coming in. Um, Torres is interesting just because of you you wonder with that injury that he had, like, when is he fully, you know, operational if, if, if there's any hindrance there or how long that is. But, uh, and obviously it's, it's, he's of the QBs, you would say he's a guy who you would probably say it's not likely to happen this year, but 
you know, if he can have a big season behind the scenes and impress Mark Whipple with sort of what's in his toolbox, he sets himself up next year because who knows what will happen. I mean, we don't, we've learned by now, you, you don't know if Casey Thompson's going to be here two years or one year or what. So uh, door could be wide open again next year. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you got to have that stuff kind of, and, and that's part of bringing in trouble Purdy and, and having that competition. So you, you kind of have an idea of, of what is available there. Okay. Let's open it up to, to everybody. Obviously Casey Thompson is going to be the talk of the spring. And I think we, we know that, but if you, you look at some of these other additions, I mean, I understand that it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but Brian Buscini is going to be really important. I mean, I, I think one thing that, that went well for Nebraska on special teams, they went and replaced and they, they found someone to do kickoffs for them. And that made life easier. Having a, having a competent kickoff specialist made life easier. I'm assuming that for some of their issues on punt coverage, having a competent punter, a guy who was well-regarded in the FCS and Brian Buscini is going to make life a little bit easier. And so, um, you know, again, not, not the sexiest thing in the world to discuss, but again, it's a, it's a spot where Nebraska can get better. And, and I think Brian Buscini alone is going to help them just in special teams. Yeah. I'm really hopeful about him because when I talked to him in late December, his, the way he talks about punting and the craft of it, it it's very focused on the net punting. And that sounds like maybe an obvious thing, but you know, some guys are just want to show you how big they, they can kick it out of the stadium and all that. And that doesn't always help you out if you kick it right down the middle. Um, you know, even if you kick it 46 yards, uh, which Nebraska didn't do a whole lot of last year. Um, but his goal I stated this, I think, before, but again, it's worth repeating, is to have a net of 43 yards, which he did at Montana. And if Nebraska had an average net of 43 yards, you're talking about like a seven and a half yard swing in net punting compared to last year. I mean, think about that, like how that could impact games. So that part's fun. But then the Trey Palmer part is really interesting. You talk about guys who just got here. You know, obviously he fits in as a wide receiver because he knows what Mickey Joseph wants there. But immediately he maybe jumps to the top of the conversation as a, you know, a punt returner, kick returner, which he was at LSU, which obviously that's a school full of great athletes where it's not easy to just be the guy there. Um, that tells me he could be tough to beat there. And so if, if he solves, if Trey Palmer can solve some special teams return things and just be a a good receiver he'll have been worth his his weight right there I mean that that's a lot so uh I I'm I if we're including uh transfers in our super six when we get there I think Trey Palmer might be tough to leave off for those reasons absolutely and he's uh he's not the only wide receiver I I really like the pickup of Isaiah Garcia Castaneda as well and he's someone who Probably will fly under the radar a little bit for most people. Um, Trey Palmer certainly going to grab a lot of that space just being from LSU, but he's a really productive. Isaiah was a really productive wide receiver at New Mexico State, and Nebraska had to beat out a couple good passing attacks to get him. I mean, if you're telling me, Brian, that Iowa State, Minnesota want you to come play wide receiver, I mean, those are two places right now that are doing a great job producing wide receivers 
at the college level and some guys moving on to the NFL. So they saw what Nebraska saw as well. And Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. And so uh, a big opportunity this spring, a lot of yards have to be replaced with Samari Toure. Um, I don't think, and I don't think this is a big limb that I'm going out on here though. A man of my size needs a pretty sizable limb if he's stepping out onto a tree branch, but I, I don't think it's a given that Xavier Betts and Omar Manning are the top two guys at wide receiver. I mean, if, if we know anything about Mickey Joseph, you got to show up and work and you got to earn that spot every single day. And so I guess I wouldn't be shocked if there's some different names that are seemingly your, your top unit uh, when we get to spring football. And so um, certainly we'll be keeping an eye on that, but Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, someone I liked a lot. You mentioned this name a little bit earlier. This was a guy I know Nebraska loved as a high school recruit, and then they missed on him, and then they, they're getting their second chance. Tommy Hill is someone I'm really intrigued by what position he's going to end up playing at some point. Travis Fisher loves him. We, you, you mentioned Victor Jones Jr. growing up as, as someone who knew that staff. Wasn't all that different for Tommy Hill either over there in Orlando too. So he really likes the staff. They've known him a long time. That's what made that such an easy commitment back in uh, December. And so he's someone too. Uh, there's just, it, it, there's so many of them. Like I, I'm also kind of fascinated by Anthony Grant. Like his story is sort of unique. And I don't know that people know this, but he chose Nebraska last weekend and he had the opportunity to go to USC, take an official visit there. They're down to three scholarship running backs. They desperately wanted Anthony Grant. Like this wasn't a, oh, Nebraska got a guy that nobody wanted. This was Nebraska beating out USC for a running back they really wanted because they need some extra depth. So, and then from talking to Florida State people, he's a pretty talented kid. So, very intrigued by him as well. Have we have we basically listed everyone? Are we intrigued by everyone at this point? Yeah, that's kind of how it goes on the offseason. We're set. We're setting up the next six months by that. Like, <laughs> I'm intrigued by oh, this guy's intriguing. Intriguing is the year. I, we should like do a thing where you have to like have a jar and uh, no one has cash on them anymore. So I don't know what you'd put in the jar, but you have to pay some sort of price for like using the word interesting or intriguing over and over again, which I do a lot. We can, uh, we can do a thing where you have to put like a slip of paper in the jar. And then after like six months, we count up which one of us uses the word intriguing most Yeah, during the podcast. And then that person has to like, there's some sort of penalty for that individual. That sound fair? Yeah, we should ask if someone on our message board would uh, keep a tally. They can listen to the podcast, keep a tally. Oh. Yeah, we don't and, even need a jar. Yeah. We could just get a secretary that can yeah, listen and, and provide feedback. Yeah, so the that because that definitely would be a – that in a Seinfeld references between me and Bronce like to keep track on who we, 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 of course, when we did a podcast, you were still on your vacation a few days ago, uh, Bronze couldn't help himself and he dropped one and I appreciate it. So that happens. I, I have to say the crutch phrase that I use the most is saying that I'm curious about something. I say <laughs> it probably four times a radio interview. And every time I hear myself say it, it's like this out of body experience where I want to beat myself with a tire iron because like, I, it, I don't know if you're like that, like you, you get really into, to listening back to what you say and you, you try to avoid crutch words. I know from when I was doing more radio, like daily radio is like a thing where 
I would start like every single sentence with, you know, I'm really curious. And it's, well, yeah, I think everyone can figure it out. I'm curious by now. I said it about a million times. So I don't do a lot of self-scouting. I admire that you do because I, I can't do it. It's like when you you probably do this when you actually uh, go through an interview you've had with somebody. I, I fast forward through my question. when I Oh, know, no. You don't do that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll know what I asked, of course, so I don't need to hear it again. And I'm like, I don't need to hear my voice on this tape recorder. So I just let everybody else have to suffer through hearing me and I don't have to do it myself. Um, You're fine. So yeah. Your voice is fine. Mine is terrible. It's like grating. It's nails on a chalkboard. So what everybody thinks about their voice. It's one of those interesting right. things about human nature, you could say. <laughs> All right, let's. Let's finish up this podcast with something. Uh, I don't know if it's positive or not, but uh, Nebraska basketball. But they won't play. lose this weekend. <laughs> it's probably good for everybody's sanity around here. Um, no. Yeah, they, they've got a, a health safety deal. Um, I assume I, – I don't know all the particulars yet at this point, if it's all COVID-related or what, but uh, they're, they're under their scholarship amount of guys they don't have seven guys or something so they can't play at ohio state of course ohio state's a team they actually should have beaten on january 2nd they were up five with 37 seconds left and ended up losing in overtime so it's not like they haven't shown they could at least you know on a given day go toe-to-toe with them but uh, yeah next time they would be in action if all goes well is tuesday against wisconsin who's also a ranked team and so it, it gets no easier it's it's a tough time to get people fired up about Oscar basketball. I'm sure there's some people glazing over right now while we're talking about it. I mean, that's the honest truth. Like, just like it's just not a conversation starter in this state right now, and that's a very dangerous place to be. I do. I just wrote something on our site, Schaefer. I mean, they do have some interesting recruits, like in this next class. Like Denim Dawson's already here, and he's a real go-getter, and they like him and all that. And uh, Romel Lloyd, right? Lloyd was ranked number 132 of all the prospects in the country. And Jamarcus Lawrence has had a really good senior year. He's a top 250 guy. And then you got a 6'11 guy in Blaze Keita, you know. So it's not like on paper that doesn't look good. But the problem is that people have already went through this sort of like the last six months, you know, where they're like, yeah, I've heard this guy, that guy, and what do I got to show for it, you know. So – people are going to be very skeptical about that right now. Yeah. I think that uh, Nebraska basketball has earned that skepticism. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know that you're looking at any sweeping changes at the end of the season. So um, <laughs> as much as it's unfortunate, a lot of this is just having to, to just get through it and try to come out on the other side and, Nebraska's been in these tough spots for the last couple of years now. So we'll see how this team kind of reacts. I mean, I know last year's group after that long layoff was able to find a couple wins on the schedule. I don't think this team is going to go winless uh, in conference play. And so we'll see if uh, this is just a, a one Saturday, they aren't able to make the trip or if they lose a couple games here in terms of uh, having to make those up later, but. Um, you're, you're kind I, of a good gauge I, though. I sorry to interrupt, but you are. I'm going to throw it back to you. You're a good gauge, I think, because I do think you care a lot. Have watched it all your life, Husker basketball, and I can tell, like you, you. And I'm using you as an example of a lot of people. 
they're just like not into it right now. <laughs> oh, I'm like, completely checked out on it. Like, like I don't, I don't love talking about them. I don't like watching them. I don't, they're not an enjoyable experience to see play basketball too often. I find myself like overly frustrated by things that happen in every game that should be coached out of them, but it doesn't feel like it's, it's happening. But the, the thing that I'm having the hardest time with Brian is that my eyes can tell me that this group is athletic to the point that there's some athleticism there that you don't generally or haven't generally seen around Nebraska. What I can't figure out is how a team that can start games playing toe to toe with others can just completely go these eight minute stretches where it looks like they've never played organized basketball together. And I think a lot of that falls on Hoiberg. I mean, I had been pretty patient to a degree, but at this point I've been thoroughly unimpressed by his ability to change things up and to get more out of this group. But um, I'm hopeful that, that that's still out there. I do really believe, that not having Trey McGowan's for the month of December and kind of the end of November really hurt this group. I mean, I, I can't say specifically that they'd have more wins because of him, but I have a hard time believing they lose games like NC state and Kansas state without Trey McGowan's. I, I think that there is a certain thing that he brings to the floor and it's not even necessarily points, but it's the way that he plays and what I think he gets out of these guys. I'm excited that he's back. That's one thing that I'm certainly looking forward to watching over the next couple months. Um, and I'm hopeful that that will help the team overall. Yeah. I, it, the one, I guess, if you're looking for optimism and kind of straining for it and most, some people won't agree with this at all. And that's fine. Cause right now Fred Hoiberg's record is just abysmal. I mean, the win loss thing is it's terrible. The worst thing we've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're that's not even hyperbole. It is the worst thing we have ever seen. No, it, it definitely is on, when you just put the numbers down on paper, and that's what matters. I, I do believe this, and this is just a personal opinion. I think he's a very smart basketball mind, and I think there – I don't discount the idea that they can get themselves out of the ditch. Like, I at least leave open that opportunity that they can do that, and I know some people don't think that at all. I actually do think that's still possible – but it's going to require maybe just like a <laughs> it's sort of a yeah. reset on like how you view certain things and how you've done certain things and maybe a, a real overhaul to that over the course of the next year. And that's not going to be easy to accomplish on the fly if they do something like that. Uh, so I guess that's my point of optimism is I still think that like, I, I think that when he talks basketball and talks about certain data points and stuff, like it makes sense to me. And he can, he talks the game as well as like a lot of coaches I've heard. Uh, it just is not translating with this team and not in key moments, like, uh, you know, a week or a week and a half ago when they're going toe to toe with, was it Illinois, I guess. Was it Illinois? Was it, was it Illinois? They were tied with late. I'm trying yeah. to think. Uh, they played Illinois pretty tight here recently. Yeah, it was like tied with like five minutes left, and Kofi um, yeah. was on the bench. And it, you know, there was a a a missed shot by Illinois, and a guy who's like their fifth, sixth best player, right, comes in and tips it to himself three times until he gets a layup. You know, and it was just an effort, complete effort play by their guy 
where he just wanted it more when the game's on the line. And it's, it's those plays where it just, that just drives people bonkers. It's a winning play and they just don't have those in them when they come. Maybe some of these guys like Denim Dawson do have that and stuff. But as I said earlier, it's that point right now where people are like, yeah, I've heard all that talk. Let's yeah. You you just have to show me at this point. With three thirty-four remaining and the score tied 65, 65 after a pair of Bryce McGowan's free throws, Coleman Hawkins grabbed three offensive rebounds, two off of his own miss, one off of a Trent Frazier jumper before eventually making a layup to put him up 67, 65 followed by an Omar Payne dunk followed by a DeMonte Williams three-pointer. And yeah. at that point, Nebraska's ship was sunk. So, yeah. You know, because that's what people needed. They needed a real deep breakdown on a basketball game like 10 days ago. That's that's what I can provide. <laughs> well, I, I let it. That was, that was my fault. I let us into that. No, no, no. <laughs> I, it, I think it, it fits sort of the overall conversation that, when given the option to close things out, this is a team that doesn't do the little things. So they don't generally put themselves in the good position to win games. So, um, I mean, I, I fully subscribe to that. I mean, I might be projecting my own thoughts on what you just said, but it's a tough league too, in the sense that, and we can close it out here, but you know, the big 10, who knows, like last March, I think they kind of, they didn't meet expectations after everybody talked them up all Mm -hmm. year. And so maybe that'll happen again. But if you're a team like Nebraska, who's at the bottom of the barrel, the, the Big Ten is like the worst possible league in a way, in the sense that everybody, everybody else has like sort of got something of substance put together, you know? So it's like you never get that sort of break in the action where it's like, okay, that's a, you know, there used to be like five years ago, it'd be like Rutgers showed up on the schedule and it's like, oh, that's nice. They're going to get, you know, and forget that now, you know, I mean, Rutgers can ball now. And I mean, that, right. it's stuff like that, that and, has changed in the league. And Rutgers is like a four minute period of the worst coaching you've ever seen away from being in the sweet 16 last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they absolutely blew a game. I mean, they had an opportunity to be in the elite eight, maybe even beyond that. Like that's how good that team was, but mm-hmm. they, uh, they gave that away. All right. Let's uh, let's, let's end this now before people get real sad. So uh, Brian, appreciate your time today. We will have plenty of coverage over the weekend. Again, we've got a junior day. There is no basketball game. Nebraska will not be playing Ohio State. I believe the women are on pause too. Is that right? Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on, of course, here uh, with COVID as well. But we'll be back next week with a couple more podcasts. We're going to start changing some things up. Uh, I have some some uh, ideas. I might have some guests that aren't Bronx or BC on in a show in the near future. We might be pivoting a little bit towards doing uh, a little bit more uh, user-friendly broadcast versions so people might be able to watch us have these conversations so they can critique our fashion and our haircuts and our eyewear. Uh, So, you know, all of those things. Um, so there's, there's some exciting stuff coming to this podcast in the year of 2022. So it's just a little bit of a preview. Be sure to check at Husker247.com this week. Should be plenty of coverage over the weekend with an official visitor in, in AJ Allen. And of course that junior day as well for Brian Christopherson. I am Mike Shaver. We'll catch you next week. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! 
the Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.